0: Hello and welcome to West Indies on 99.94, Cricket Every Day. My name is Marshall St. Patrick Curt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is Santokin Nagulendran, the other half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies cricket content. And we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app. And we'll do that several times every week. So rate, review, like, share, subscribe. And thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today on West Indies on 99.94, we're going to be looking ahead to the Australia versus West Indies test series and plotting out our top five expectations slash hopes. Santoki, take it away.
1: Yeah, so, Michelle, what are we calling this? The road to the Oval. The World Test Championship finals will be held at the Oval in London next year. And West Indies still have a chance of making that final. They'll have to whitewash Australia 2-0 and then South Africa 2-0 to get their place in the final. But, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So we'll be keeping an eye out on the series, Australia versus West Indies. It's in the middle of the night for us. So we're going to have to be getting up at 2am, but we're here dedicated to the West Indies cause. And yeah, as Mash said, we're here to look at sort of what we're hoping to get and what we're hoping to sort of experience in this series, positives to take out from it, and also what we should be wary of. So I guess Mash, the first place we have to start is, it's only right we start with Tejanoi and Um He's obviously starred in the warm-ups. He's someone who we've been calling for the past few years to kind of make the step up to West Indies international side. And there's a lot of expectation on him. So I guess, firstly, if we start off, for you, what is it in Tejan at Chandapur, at this point in time, is it hope? You're hoping he can pull off something good? Or are you expecting it at this point because of his performances in the warm-ups?
0: Yeah, I think... I'm not... Hmm. Maybe hope is the right word to use. Listen... It's no easy task making your Test debut in Australia, of all places. It, to, to, to all intents and purposes, it's alien conditions. It's hard enough for someone like uh, Jaden Seals, who is still new to Test cricket, to, de- to debut. Sorry, to, to play in Australia for the first time, or someone like Nkrumah Bonner, who has established himself in the West Indies Test side, but has never been to Australia for a Test series. So to actually have a debutante, uh, for the West Indies cricket team and, them, and their debut actually being Australia, it doesn't come much harder than that. But for Tej, I think this is a long overdue selection. And I think we have to reiterate, Santoki, that some people in the narrative of Tej and his father, Shiv, and this, that, and the other, will undoubtedly think that Tej is now getting his chance just off the back of what he's done this season. But we always stress that if you go back and look at Tej's record, he's averaged over 30 in, what, three of the last four domestic championships in the West Indies in terms of the four-day championships. So, and some will say average over 30, come on. But in West Indies cricket context, that's something significant. So this is a long long overdue chance for for Tej Shandapal. But kind of sticking to the theme of the show... My hope is that he returns to the Caribbean after this tour with his, I guess with his name enhanced, if that's possible. And that's a funny way of putting it because his name's already enhanced by virtue of having the surname Shanda Paul. But I'm hoping that by the end of this particular tour, people recognize him in his own right. And the fact that he's got Shander Paul at the end of his name is, is almost deemed irrelevant due to what people have taken on board from his own individual quality across the, the Test series.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it's important. I think it's actually interesting to think, if you think of players in the last, well, let's say 30 years, Chandra Pashivna and Chandra Pools, probably one of the only West Indian players who has universal respect in terms of fans across the world just universally love Chandepoel. So that's added extra burden on Tej And you kind of feel there's like a will with fans, neutral fans, for him to do well just to sort of succeed that Chandepoel name. But I guess we saw in that warm-up, he scored 119 out of a team total of 235. So just immediately looking at Amash, he basically scored half of the team's runs. Now, <laughs> we talked about the hope with the hope with Chandepoel. On the flip side, would it not be a concern that the rest of the team... <laughs> Could only muster up about a hundred odd runs combined, and Tagenma and had to essentially dig in for a century as a debutant. Are you concerned, sort of, on this tour about how the batting lineup will fare? Because bear in mind the president, um, the prime minister's eleven, very quality bowlers. We saw Ashton Agar, Michael Nessa, but when you're looking at the likes of Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, Nathan Lyon, they're a completely different level. Arguably, the strongest bowling lineup in world cricket at the moment. So. On the flip side, we've talked about Chandapool hoping that he can kind of perform and come out of respectability out of this series. But on the flip side, does this lead to concerns about the rest of the batting lineup, particularly the middle order?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um listen, I my 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 bar is low for this series. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I would be happy if by the end of this series we scored over two hundred and fifty runs twice. Oh my I think I, <laughs> I think I'd be quite happy with that. I think I'd I think that I'd, I'd take that as like small shoots of growth if we could to, if we could do that. And the thing is, again, people will kind of be like, "Mash what you're talking about," and I'll, I'll fetch the details in a minute just to remind people. But it has to be remembered, Santoki, that our record in Australia is awful. It, it, it's to me, it's similar to last year when we went to Sri Lanka, right, and we lost 2-0. Now, what, what has to be remembered is that West Indies have never really won in Sri Lanka. That Our record in Sri Lanka has traditionally been poor. So, similarly, we've not won a test match in Australia since 1997. We've not won a match in Australia in general pretty much since 1997, whether that be ODIs, T20s, whatever it might be. So, yes, there's a concern. To answer your question, yes, I am concerned about what the rest of the batting lineup or the batting lineup as a whole can do. And some may say, Mash, how can you set the bar as low as I hope we can make over 250 runs? But history isn't on our side. And some people don't take history seriously. But do you, okay, let me put it on you, Santogi. Do you suddenly expect us to buck the trend of the last 25 years and come out and smash Australia to pieces and put 400 runs plus on the board? and out bowl them and so on and so forth. The the batting is gonna come under huge scrutiny. So all all we can ask for Santoki is that they that they prove to be more competitive than people thought they'd be.
1: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think Australia and New Zealand are probably, at the moment, the hardest places to go. Um, and when you add in that record since 1997, I think it was a Brian Lara and Curly Ambrose masterclass that took us to win the victory in 1997, which shows you how long ago it was. The last time we actually won a test match against Australia, home and away, was when Chandipal and Sarwa in 2003 uh, broke the world record 418. So that sort of shows the extent. We literally had to break a world record for highest run chase just to get our last win against Australia. So as you said, Mash, I think it would be foolish. I mean, maybe listeners who are new to West Indies on 99.94 might be surprised um that we're not talking up West Indies as being a competitive side in this series because we have to be realistic. I think anything other than a 2-0 loss would be a massive shock if West Indies managed to pull it off. So, as you said, Mash, I just want to see respectable performances and not us given... We've had a, a pattern over the past few years, probably past decade or so, of giving away our wickets far too cheaply. I would like to see batsmen dig in, starting with Brathwaite and Chandipur at the top of the order. They've sort of shown they can have that composure at this level. So, I'd like to see that carry its way through, through the likes of Bonner. We know he can do it. Mayers, Joshua De Silva, Jason Holder. Put in respectable performances that kind of make people think, OK... West Indies are performing better than we thought. Um, I think if we were to perform to expectations, it would be 150 to 200 out in each innings, um, batting collapses. So as you said, we sort of, I wouldn't even say we've set the bar low, Mash. I think we've just got realistic expectations based on history and sort of how we tore away overseas. Obviously there's always the potential for a massive, massive shock victory as we saw away in Bangladesh, but realistically we'd say it's probably unlikely that's going to happen. So, It is going to be very, very tough for our batting lineup in these conditions. Um, The good thing is they've had slightly more preparation than usual. Three-day warm-up and then a four-day warm-up against Prime Minister's Eleven. And a few of the players were in Australia for the T20 World Cup. So hopefully that experience can put them in good stead as well for the first test um, starting in Perth. So we're going to take a quick break and we've looked at the batting. When we're back on the other side, we're going to look at what many call the strength in the side, our bowling attack.
0: I'm Jared Kimber and I host two podcasts on 99.94. Red Inca, which is chats on trends and stories within the game with a weekly Q&A where I can be asked about anything from a time-travelling Don Bradman to which cricket ground serves the best food. And Double Century, I look at the historical stories that make cricket what it is today. You can search for either of them in your favourite podcast platform or on the 99.94 DM app.
1: Okay, now Mesh, now there's massive concerns about our batting but one thing which you know, fans across the world see hope when they look at the West Indies side reminds them of the golden age of yesteryear is the Pace bowling attack. Now, it's most likely, barring a last-minute injury or, or some sort of incident, we're going to line up with Azari Joseph, Jaden Seals, Kimar Roach and Jason Holder. Now, what are you sort of expecting from this Pace attack? Do you think they can do damage in Australia? I want to say
0: yes. I really want to say yes. And on paper, on paper, <laughs> we should be able to make some inroads uh, on, the, on, this, on, this, sorry, on this Australian side. However, I'm just going to read some figures to you, Santelki. The last time we were in Australia for a test series, in the first test, Australia made 583 for four declared. They didn't bat again. In the second test, Australia made 551 for three, declared. <laughs> they did bat again in that one, and then they made 179 for three, declared. The last test, which uh, got washed out, Australia, when in, their, in their first innings, got to 176 for two, declared. Santolki, so I'm imagine you go on tour to a team, and they just declare every single inning, <laughs> <laughs> that, that that you're bowling to them so, so I mean, listen Any any Performance against the Australians Where we actually bowl them Out for under 500 Is a positive And again, some people say, MASH, how can the Bar be that low? But We have to remember, Santoki, that Seals hasn't been there before um alzari joseph hasn't been there before kimar has jason had but they haven't been back in years Carl mayers hasn't been there before roston chase oh yeah i think roston chase went last did roston go roston might not have gone last time either to be fair so and certainly anderson philip hasn't been there before we know what this bowling lineup has been doing in the caribbean when we've given them conditions for them to exploit so we know they're good But it's one thing being good in home conditions, it's quite another going away for many of them on their first tour of Australia and replicating what they've been able to do in home conditions. And of course, Santelki, the issue is this, even if our bowlers do perform well, what does that suggest about what the Australian bowlers are then going to do to us? So I hear you and I think, yes, they should do all right, but again, History's not on their side with regards to how our bowlers cope in in modern history when they turn up in Australia.
1: Yeah, so four players remain from the last tour seven years ago would be Jason Holder, Craig Brathwaite, Jermaine Blackwood and Kimar Roach. So it is a very, very inexperienced side in terms of coming to these conditions. And it's also important to remember, Mash, you mentioned Jaden Seals hasn't played in Australia. He hasn't played an overseas test yet. All his tests have been at home in the Caribbean. So this is going to be a massive, massive challenge for him. There is expectation on him, as there would be, based on his potential and his wicket-taking abilities, Um. In those home home tests that he's played throughout the past eighteen months, I just feel as much as the bowling attack might be hyped up, as you said, Kimarovich has has tended to struggle in a lot of overseas tests. Um, I think I I wish we had a, a fully fit Shannon Gabriel. I think he would have been able to cause a bit more damage in Australia. Jason Hold is not really a wicket taker in that sense, so we can't rely on him. To kind of lead the line in terms of taking wickets. And with Seals and Al-Zavi Joseph at the moment, as you said, they're young players. It's relying heavily on potential rather than experience. So I, I'm looking at the Australia lineup. If you look at the batting lineup, essentially, there's no real gaps or flaws. They've got David Warner and Usman Khawaja, massively experienced. Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne, who can sort of grind down, hit a 30, 40 off 150 balls, grind down the bowling opposition. And then you've got the likes of, you know, Cameron Green and Alex Carey, who can sort of smash it towards the end and accelerate the run rate. So with, with Australia, you're going to have to take about eight or nine wickets before you stop the runs coming through. And it's going to be a massive, massive task for our bowling lineup. But I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that this could be a breakout tour for Jaden Seals. Um, and he kind of makes a name for himself in Australia and shows his potential to the world once again. So I'm hopeful of that. But as you said, Mash, realistically as well, we can't expect too much from this bowling lineup. Now, one thing I'm gonna talk about, we've talked about pace. West Indies have gone for Rustin Chase as the all-rounding, all-rounder spinner. Do you think We've missed the trick by not having a specialist full-time spinner coming on tour. It's, it's actually scandalous. It's actually
0: scandalous that Rost Chase is already back in the test side. There, I said it. Let me just get out of the way f- first things first. It's scandalous. Um, and, the, and, the, and the worst thing about it is you can't find many people who, who disagree with that statement. Even people in Barbados might agree with that statement and say, actually, how did Chase get back in so easily and so quickly? The best off spinner in the Caribbean is is Rakeem Cornwall. Now, obviously, the West Indies selectors have said that there's some kind of medical fitness issue related to Rakeem. That's why he was in the original squad, then wasn't in the original squad or whatever it might be for the Australia tour. What I need answers for, Santolki, is how do you then go from Rakeem Cornwall straight to Roston Chase as your next best option? What kind of disrespect does that say to the other spinners in the Caribbean? Like, so why did Chase have to go? Why did you not just turn to then a good Akesh Malti and say, you know what, you come in, or a Vera Sami Perma, or whoever, or a Jamel Warwickan or whoever? Did they turn to Chase because they basically said to themselves, you know what, our batting is going to get peppered. So let's turn to the one spinner who might be able to do a little piece with the bat as well, should it come to it. Because I don't see any other justification or reasoning for how Ross and Chase ended up back in the squad. That said, Santoki, once he's back in the squad as the only spinner, I think he then has to play. Because why carry him then? You're going to have to, for, for simple variety purposes, it, to the attack, everybody is a right-arm seamer. Jason Holder, Kemar Roach, Jaden Seals, Anderson, Phillip, Alzari, Joseph. Carmes is a right-arm swing bowler. For sheer variety purposes, Chase now has to play. So now they've taken him, I expect to see him play. And just to make sure people realise I'm balanced here, whilst I disagree with how he, how or why he got back into the test squad, the hope is Santoki that should he get his chance again, that he makes it count. And he shuts people like me up and says, I don't know why, makes people like me want uh, question why I ever doubted him in the first place. But I expect him to play. And if again, if we kind of stick to what we said at the top, my expectation, sorry, my hope is that he chips in with a few timely wickets when Australia are putting up one of them 150-run partnerships and, and and so on and so forth. So I wish him well across the series, Santoki, because maybe, just maybe, his drop from the sides is exactly what he needed to re-find his true self.
1: Yeah, Rustin Chase for me is a bit of a strange one. He's basically the equivalent of like a Moeen Ali, because when he first came onto the scene for West Indies cricket. He was performing with the bat. He was scoring centuries overseas and at home. Um, so he was he was a batsman who could bowl a bit of spin. And then it all sort of changed when he took eight wickets against England in 2019. He suddenly became the premier spinner for West Indies. And now he you sort of feel like he sort of spread his skills too thinly now because he's not excelling with the bat and not excelling with the ball. He's essentially like a bits and pieces all round. So it's strange they've recalled him. As you said, my gut feeling is that they probably thought, okay, he can do a job with the ball, I'm spinning, and he's also handy, he has been handy with the bat. Let's just slot him into the side, he could have extra runs lower down the order. And as you said, I completely agree, especially in the context of Australia, probably scoring big first innings totals, you can't have your Pacers bowling back-to-back, you're going to need to break it up with some spin. So I think if you have picked Boston Chase, he will play, and I'm sure he will play in that first test. But for me, I would have liked to, like you said, I would like to have seen a specialist spinner. If you are going to go with a spinner, you go for the best ones in the region. So, over Keem Cornwall, Gudakesh Moti, Aviasami, Pumal, someone like that. So, I do think it is slightly disrespectful to the spinners in the region that Western Chase has essentially leapfrogged, leapfrogged them because he's slightly better with the bat. I think if you're going with a spinner, you go with your best spinner. And probably knowing West Indies luck spin, we'll probably see Nathan Lyon take a bag of wickets in the first test. At Perth um to sort of highlight just how just how good the pitch would have been for spinners, especially a spinner, so it'd be interesting to see, but as you said, Ruston Chase has proven in the past not to be defeated. he always sort of pops up with great performances once in a while, so hopefully he can do the same in Australia now we've talked about batting and bowling after our final break. we're going to come back and wrap it up, give our conclusion, and sort of discuss on where where do we see West Indies going in this in this series, and what do we hope for afterwards?
0: I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket, on 99.94. Okay, we're back for our final segment of the show. And Santoki. before we kind of just wrap it up and look at our, our kind of overall kind of summa- like our summation of what we really hope for in this uh, series. I do just want to add, as we were talking before the break about bowling, it is worth noting for West Indian fans as well, that on top of some of our bowlers experiencing Australian conditions for the first time in terms of a test series, um, we have to also talk about the fact they're not using the Duke's ball. And that's what they've been used to in the Caribbean. They're going to be using the Kookaburra ball, and that will take some getting used to as well. So, I think people, I think people also have to bear that in mind. And it just links to your point earlier on, Santoki. I think when you made it about Jaden Seals that our bowling attack has been successful in home conditions. That's a complete, with the Duke's ball, and that's a completely different set of scenarios to what we're now facing versus Australia. But um, as you said before the break, looking at kind of like our overall summation of. What we hope to take place, or what we expect to take place. I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll kick off Santoki. I fully expect us to lose two nil, um, and I I I just hope Santoki that they give Phil the send off he deserves because we haven't mentioned Phil Simmons yeah. yet, and I just hope the players give him a send off that just reminds everybody in the Caribbean, you know what our test team actually got better under Phil. It's it's been very easy for people to fall into this narrative that Phil was rubbish as West Indies coach and the T20 World Cup and our ODI side's useless. But in the midst of all that, we've had actually a a really good stretch of test performances, particularly at home, drawing with Sri Lanka at home, drawing with Pakistan at home, beating Bangladesh home and away, beating England at home. Um, So in the midst of all that, I just hope we leave this series with two competitive tests where everyone can tangibly say, you know what? West well, Indies got blown away like we expected, but at times in that test series, it could have gone either way. I just want that. I just, I just, I just want a little, a little piece in both test matches where people were like, hmm, if they'd taken a the wicket at that point, or if thing hadn't got out at that point, it might have been a bit sticky for Australia, and I'll accept that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it would be good for Phil Simmons to leave with this legacy. I think already his legacy has been built in Test cricket. I think before he took over the job again in 2019, our, our Test side was sort of chop and change. Players were getting randomly added in, in and out. There wasn't sort of a consistency. I think he's added that to the Test side. We've seen a backbone, a strong backbone of the side created and stability. And also the likes of Bonnard, Mayers, Justice still just Silva become integral parts of the Test side and showing their future potential as well. So I think he's had a massive, massive input on the Test side. Obviously, there are questions over his impact on the white ball. But if people, if fans in the region are going to hold up Test cricket as the pinnacle of the sport, then Phil Simmons has made massive improvements to the side. And as you said, our home record has been great for the past two or three years. So I would like to see a sort of finale where... You know, Phil Simmons has been getting cussed out mainly because we've been playing white ball cricket for the last six months. So I I would like a reminder for the fans and for stakeholders that, you know, he has improved the Test side and this could be a culmination of sort of his project for the last two or three years with this group of players.
0: Yeah, and I think if we just... I think there's a a few key stats we can throw in there in case anyone's doubting it. Craig Brathwaite, since taking the captaincy under Phil has basically found his form and then some averaging well over 40. Um, the Marathon 100 against England. What was it? 100 and whatever it was of 500 and something balls. Um, uh, who, uh, Where my Jermaine Blackwood hitting centuries. Josh De Silva hitting his maiden century. Bonner hitting centuries. Mayer's constructing one of the all-time great innings away in Bangladesh. Mayer's hitting a century at home versus Bangladesh. So our batters, we've got used to a situation where we actually expect west indian batters to be able to hit centuries and that might sound like a ridiculous statement but santoki i still remember times in recent in recent test history where we'd be like do our players even know how to score centuries anymore so it, we now watch the west indies play test cricket and go yeah i think one of our batters could get a century here and that that's come over the last two and a bit years or so and then of course with the bowlers starboy jaden seals one of the youngest um, up-and-coming bowlers on the scene, taking Test fifers at some points leading the attack. He's revitalised Alzari Joseph um, in red ball cricket as well, and we we have a bowling unit where we're actually looking at them going, mm, maybe they could go to Australia and actually cause problems. So I don't, I think taking all kind of biases away and all kind of w- references to white ball cricket in and of itself, Phil has put our test team in a position where we feel like we can go to Australia and not get absolutely licked down we, we think we'll lose but we don't think we're going to get absolutely licked down now of course by the time people listen to this <laughs> we could be getting absolutely licked down <laughs> but our hope and expectation is that we compete
1: I was gonna, I was going to say this is we've we have obviously been we've recording this before the series has started but it will come out probably at the end of day one of play when Australia will probably be four hundred for two after their ninety overs <laughs> and and us declaring that we're hoping when West Indies can put a performance of the ball will be cut and turned into a meme but hopefully not. Um, we're looking forward. I think I'm think i looking forward to this series. Just to see. I think, as you rightly said, Mash, that was a perfect conclusion. I think this Phil Simmons has given optimism to the side. Um, whether or not rightly justified, he's made us believe that we can give decent performances against any side in the world. And I think that's priceless at this point in time. So, you know, it's coming up to 6pm now in the UK. I better go to bed soon. Got to get set my alarm for 2am to watch the first day of play in Perth. So it's a goodbye for me, Mash. Is it goodbye from you?
0: definitely a goodbye people and make sure you're rallying wherever you're listening to this wherever you're watching the test series the one thing we must always do because that's all we can do in West Indies cricket is rally around the West Indies people stay locked in for more content on West Indies on 99.94 Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94 where we speak cricket every day please rate review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts you can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at 994DM and at Carib Cricket. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way.
1: Hey there, my name is Michael Amanato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. Pipass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.